Merry Christmas, everyone, and it's um, interesting for us to be having our Christmas Eve service this morning, especially when it's going to be 63 degrees outside today, but we've got to try to uh, keep that Christmas spirit alive here. Very odd to um, be able to get a suntan on Christmas Eve. I want to say, too, this is going to be, it's a little bit of a different service, just once a year we do this. Um, it's a shorter service than we normally have, and after last Sunday, you're probably very thankful for that. Again, my thanks to all the folks working in the children's ministry back there. Last Sunday was a very long service, and um, that also doesn't happen often, but it did last week. So today um, is going to be a shorter service, and after the service, we're sort of giving, we want to give you back that 15 or 20 minutes to stay and fellowship uh, our ladies, and I say ladies because I know there's not a single man who's been involved in this, <laughs> have put together wonderful snacks for us back there with drinks and cookies and all kinds of things. So we invite you to stick around for a little bit and enjoy some good fellowship this morning. Uh, we also invite all our families to be in here together today because so many of them spend many, many Sundays back there with our children while we're here in the service. And so we just want to give them an opportunity to come and be in here together. And uh, I believe the nursery is open. Um, if you need to step out and make use of that, you're welcome to. And by the way, uh, Rachel, good job actually getting through the line when angels sing with pious smirth. Mm -hmm. Well done. <clears throat> I want to let you know quickly, next Sunday, um, the 31st, I'm going to pause from our series just for that one Sunday and just bring a, a simple challenge, devotional from the Word to encourage us for the new year. That'll be next week. I'm also going to give you uh, an announcement about our building lease, which you've been praying for. I'll share that with you next Sunday. And then the week after that, January 7th, God willing, I'm planning on just hitting the ground running in the new year with our back into our Through the Bible series. And hopefully by January 7th, we can make it to Jeremiah 30 to 33, which we've <laughs> been attempting to do. There were three men who died on Christmas Eve in different parts of the country, but they they all found themselves standing together at the pearly gates outside of heaven. And St. Peter was there. By, by the way, this is all doctrinally correct, as far as you know. St. <clears throat> Peter was there, and he said to them, uh, in honor of this holy season, uh, each of you must present one item to me that, that uh, represents and symbolizes Christmas in order to get into heaven. First man fumbled through his pockets and he found a lighter, and he flicked it on, and he said, um, it represents a candle. Peter said, you can go on in. Second man dug through his pockets, and he found his car keys, and he rattled them, and he said, uh, they're bells. Peter said, you can go on in. Third man was frantically searching, found nothing, finally reached up to his shirt pocket and pulled out his wife's reading glasses that he had borrowed earlier that day, and he held them up, and Peter raised one eyebrow and looked at him and said, and what are those supposed to symbolize? And he said, they're carols. <laughs> now, 
you, you have to admit, that's a smart joke. That's a... Yes. No refunds on that. You know, I never do that, but I thought, it's Christmas Eve, I'm going to tell a corny joke, and so they're carols. That's actually brilliant. I think, I think if you ask most people, most people would probably say they have a, a favorite Christmas carol. I do. I have a favorite one. But there's one you rarely hear sung, and maybe I know why, because there's a verse in there that always leaves me a little bit rattled just by its brutal honesty. <clears throat> It was written by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. And I think if your middle name is Wadsworth, you're either destined to be a butler or for something great. And he was, uh, he's acclaimed by many to be America's greatest poet. Uh, and he wrote these words. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men, and thought how, as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. But in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Whatever happened to the peace that the angels promised the shepherds on the night Jesus was born? You, you know what I'm talking about. We're familiar with these verses. Let me put them on the screens for you, and we'll look at them anyway, just as a refresher. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 6, says, So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her, for Mary, to give birth, and she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. But let's be honest, the, since, since the birth of Jesus, the people on earth have known precious few days of true peace. Peace from war, famine, disaster, disease. If we believe that what the angel said is true, good tidings of great joy to all people, peace on earth, goodwill to men. If we believe that that's what the coming of Christ would bring, then I ask you this morning, where is it? 
Where is the peace the angels promised? The angels rejoiced because the coming of Christ into the world signaled the beginning of the fulfillment of the prophecy, the promise that was made all the way back in the garden when God promised that there would be one who came to defeat Satan and bring salvation to to mankind. That promise is uh, beautifully echoed by the prophet Isaiah. Again, we know these verses, but just listen to these words. Listen to what's being promised here. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform or accomplish this. But still, I don't know about you, I look at the world around us and I have to ask, where is this peace? I see anything but peace in the world. One glance at the news, and you're overcome by the fact that it seems the whole world right now is boiling over with violence and hatred and greed and bloodshed and destruction. There's no peace in this world. That's what Longfellow wrote. He was a brilliant man, highly educated, very intelligent. His first wife died in childbirth. His second wife died when their house caught fire. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. Well, I can promise you that if we're hoping to find peace in this world, we're looking in the wrong place. If you're hoping one day to turn on the news and there's going to be that, uh, that one politician who shows up to save the day and make everything better and bring peace, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Jesus himself spoke some very startling words about this. It's not a verse that people memorize. It's not a verse that people like to quote. In fact, most people are quite uncomfortable with it. Matthew 10, 34, Jesus said, Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. And you go, what in the world? Isn't that a direct contradiction to everything we've just read in Luke and Isaiah and all the other places? Jesus went on to say that his coming into the world would actually set one person at odds against another. Even in our families, when one person chooses to follow Christ and another person doesn't, It's going to bring contention to those people and division. Jesus was saying, I didn't come to happily or intentionally bring a sword and to pit one person against another, but he's saying simply my coming into the world is going to set one person against another. Jesus is the great dividing line in all of history. There's no other person in all of history who has been more loved and more hated than Jesus. 
He is the central figure in all of history. And he has certainly brought a sword. But Jesus did bring peace, in fact. He brought a better kind of peace than simply getting people to live in harmony with one another for a little while. He brought a much better kind of peace. It's a peace that you and I need far more than worldly peace, which never lasts anyway. And I think of all the verses in the Bible that sum this up in just a few words, I can think of none better than Romans chapter 5, verse 1. This is how it says it. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God. The world generally defines peace as the absence of conflict, being free from fear, strife, anxiety, aggravation. This is not the kind of peace the angel spoke about. There's hardly been a moment's peace since the angel said those words. And Jesus himself, I mean, he was the object of man's hatred and violence. The word peace the angel used here is so fantastic if you've never seen this before. The word that the angel used when announcing the birth of Jesus was the word irene. I didn't say nene, I said irene. Irene, and it means this, listen, to join or bind together what has been broken, divided, or separated. To join or bind together what has been broken or separated. And man, what a perfect description that is of what has happened between us and God. Our sin has separated us from God. It has broken our relationship with him. In fact, it's, it's worse than that. Our sin has made us the enemies of God. The angels weren't announcing peace from conflict or peace from struggles or peace from war. They were saying that this baby who was born is the savior of the world, and he came to restore that broken relationship with God and to give us peace with him once again, peace with God. And I want to tell you, if you have put your faith in Christ to save you, then you right now, right now, you have peace with God. Despite the unrest in the world, despite the turmoil that may be playing out in your own life, if you've trusted in Christ for salvation, you right now have peace with God. This is what the coming of Christ into the world means to all who have trusted him for salvation. It means we're no longer enemies of God. It means, listen, it means we will never be judged for our sin because Christ took the judgment for our sin upon himself. We will never be judged for our sin if we are in Christ. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. And it means that we now have peace with God that nothing can ever take away. That's a far better peace than waking up and knowing that there's peace in the world. 
but not knowing what's going to happen to us after we die, boy, we still got to face that whole God judgment thing. No. Christ took all of that away on the cross on your behalf. But you have to receive it. It's not forced on anyone. Because the fact is, you will never experience this kind of peace apart from a personal relationship with the Prince of Peace. He's the one whose birth we're celebrating. He left heaven and he came down to this troubled world. I mean, what a messed up world this is because of sin. A world filled with people who have hard hearts. A world who are, are, is filled with people corrupted and bent on destroying themselves in their struggle for power and wealth and fame and pleasure, a world that had absolutely no way of saving itself from its downward course. He came to offer peace to every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl who would trust him alone for salvation. If you're like most of us, you, and if you're old enough, you've probably already tried every other source of peace. But the truth is, mankind has a 100% failure rate at securing and maintaining peace. 100% failure rate. True peace can only be found when you receive the Prince of Peace. And, and the world around us will never know peace until every person in the world knows the Prince of Peace. You know, we look around the world and we see all the stuff going on, especially as Christians, the things that have been going on since October 7th in Israel and the Middle East. And, you know, it's, it's upsetting, it's troubling just to see the violence and the, the hatred and then the outpouring of opinions around the world by people who are angrily protesting in the streets of cities all over the world by the tens of thousands. And... I've seen a number of them questioned with a microphone about one specific detail, and they have no answers. They have no clue why they're out there. We're just angry. We want our voice to be heard. And you look at this world and go, man, is this, like, is this what we have to live in now? Yeah, it is. It is. And as much as we want to, you and I, we can't unite the nations of the world together in peace. We, we can't stop the hatred and the bloodshed in Israel. I mean, for crying out loud, we can't even bring peace into our own neighborhood, our own office, our own school, our own family, can we? No, we can't. Oh, for a day or two. But then something else blows up. You know, you know how it is. There will never be peace in any of those areas of our life or any areas of the world until Christ comes again to rule and to reign in righteousness forever. And that's why we not only rejoice in the peace that he brought to us at his first coming, but we eagerly await the peace that he will bring at his second coming, which will be a whole new kind of peace. Until then, this world is going to remain filled with trouble, and there will be days when we feel like 
Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. But in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. But I I have to tell you, there's one more verse I didn't read. And I want to finish with that. He added this, then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. Listen, God will bring world peace when he comes the second time. But because he came the first time, you can have his peace today in your heart. You can be at peace with God regardless of your circumstances, regardless of the wars raging without or within. You can have that peace today by coming to know the Prince of Peace. What we're celebrating at Christmas here is that the Savior came to bring us peace with God, peace that can never be taken away despite what's happening to us and despite what's happening around us. And so I close just by asking, do you have that peace? Do you have that peace? If not, you can find it this morning by bringing your life to the Prince of Peace, by bowing before him and saying what we've all had to say, Lord, I confess I am a sinner. I have offended you by my sin. I have separated myself from you for all eternity because of my sin. And I come and bow before you now, and I repent of my sin. I receive the cleansing and the forgiveness and the eternal life that Jesus made possible on the cross. Please come in and save my life, save my soul. I want to be yours. You can pray that where you are right now, or you can come and see me or one of us after the service if you would like to do that today. Hey, what an incredible Christmas present that would be for the people in your life who love you, who are already saved. What an incredible present. Listen, don't let this Christmas, don't let this year pass by without settling this issue of being at peace with God. That's why Jesus came, and that's what we're celebrating today. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are we're so incredibly grateful for the fact that you love the world so much that you made a way possible for us to be restored to you. Thank you that your son came willingly, joyfully went to the cross on our behalf and bore the punishment of God for our sin took our sin upon himself and gave his righteousness to all who would believe in him. Father, I pray every one of us would leave this building today robed in that righteousness, knowing that regardless of what's going on in the world, regardless of what's going on in our life, we have peace with God. May that be our testimony today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to a broadcast from LifePoint Church in Greenville, South Carolina. If this ministry has touched your life in some way, we would love to hear from you. 
Just visit our website at www.lifepointsc.org for more information. Or, if you prefer to reach us by letter, you can write to us at P.O. Box 27036, Greenville, South Carolina, 29616, USA. Until next time, may God bless you as you continue to follow Him. of my heart I want to see